Welcome to the Purdue Ag Econ Podcast, the podcast for experts and innovators in agriculture. I'm Dane Erickson. On today's show, Dr. Foster and I talk with Dr. Kajal Gulati, Ag Econ's newest professor and specialist in development economics. Stay tuned. Hello, you're listening to the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast. I'm Ken Foster, Professor of Agricultural Economics at Purdue University and your host. And with me is my co-host, Dane Erickson. Dane, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Dr. Foster. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, What kinds of exciting things are going on in the lives of students at Purdue right now? Well, we're trying to keep up with all the COVID regulations, of course. I am on a precautionary lockdown at the moment. For the next two weeks. So um, that's been tough, but I'm really grateful for the professors and grad students and TAs who make uh, remote learning possible. Yeah, I've been really impressed with the students in my class. Several of them have been on the same sort of precautionary quarantine that you're on. Some of them even have taken their own precautions to put themselves on temporary quarantine until, um, until they get contacted by the contact tracers, because a lot of times, you know, their friend says, Hey, I got, I tested positive. Um, and you know, we were together for lunch the other day and those students will contact me and they say, Dr. Foster, I'm going to go down and get tested. But in the meantime, I'm not coming to class. And I think we all really appreciate that kind of dedication. So, hey, Dean, the AgiCon department at Purdue has been hiring some new professors, and, um, and and in our discussions about future guests, we thought it would be nice maybe to take some time and introduce those people to our listeners and learn more about what they're doing and, um, and how their experience here at Purdue has been so far. So, you want to introduce our guest today? Sure. On today's show, it's our privilege to have on with us Dr. Kajal Gulati, AgiCon's newest professor and a specialist in development economics. Welcome, Dr. Gulati. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Kajal, can you tell us a little bit about your background, um, maybe educationally and experientially, that led you to become a professor here at Purdue? Sure. So I finished my PhD in agricultural and resource economics from the University of California, Davis in 2017. Um, Prior to starting my PhD, I was working um, in Washington, D.C. and then in New Delhi, India um, at the International Food Policy Research Institute, where I was working on food security technology adoption issues. Um, I have a master's in public administration from Cornell and a bachelor's in liberal arts from um, Soka University of America. And right before joining Purdue, I was working at Impact International in their international development division, which is a research firm working on program evaluation of policies um, internationally in different countries in South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. How has your personal background led you into development economics? In my undergrad, I took a class in development economics. And and so I got really interested in the field of international development. So I wanted to be in an applied field. I knew I wanted to do economics, but also in an applied field. And so right after my undergrad, 
you know, I decided to pursue a degree in public administration, partly because I wanted to be in an applied field in international development. And Cornell has a lot of good courses in agriculture in, 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 you know, in other countries. And that was so as part of my master's thesis, just, you know, experiencing sort of firsthand what it is to be, you know, it's the, the, the lives people lead. And this was my way of being able to connect with the diverse ways people live and then, you know, sort of lead a contributed life. And so from then on, my, my, my professional work led me to actually do research. And that was fascinating because in the field of international development, you could be in on the management side, the program implementation side, as well as the research side. And for me, the research was fascinating because it was the first time I saw research being translated into policy. And so that was that was great for me to see that you know you can actually research a policy relevant question, find an answer, and actually make policy using the evidence that you find. So that kind of prompted me to um, pursue a PhD and be in this field. So maybe tell us a little bit about the research that you're doing now and um, how that's uh, how that's coming along since you've moved to Purdue. Sure. So um, a lot of my research so far looks at economics of family and how that relates to um, decisions that households make on the farm. And so a primary sort of area of research for me is looking at the displacement of women and men on the farm and how those decisions come about within the, you know, within a family and how that influences the welfare of both the household in terms of the decisions they make in, in agricultural mechanization, as well as um, how does that influence the welfare of the woman vis-a-vis the men in the household. And so it's interesting because I, I do a lot of this research in India where there are these significant, you know, labor market frictions based on gender. So, you know, I mean, we've been, you know, we in class, for example, we have been talking about structural transformation. What is happening in India is that, you know, men are leaving the farm sector, the agricultural sector in a massive way. Um, and, and they are being absorbed in other sectors of the economy. So they might migrate, find a better job, or be involved in any other, in a non-agricultural sector. The same trend we are observing for women as well. More than double the number of women have left agriculture sector in the last couple of years in India. Um, and But they are not being absorbed in any part of the labor market. So if, you know, if the farm adopts these productive technologies, it's not that they are commensurate jobs that the women can seek outside. And so there are these big labor market trends that are happening in India um, where you would expect that, you know, labor market participation rate for women would increase because, you know, they're more educated. There is a fertility transition. Economic growth of these households are better off than before. But against all of that, those big changes happening, women are more sort of, uh, you know, moving more towards traditional gender roles to unpaid work. And so within that background, analyzing the future of work, 
of women and men in agriculture is kind of what I've been focusing on right now. And it's shaping in very interesting ways because now that has also led me to look at how, you know, the contribution of human capital formation, the effects for those in women and men. And I've been sort of doing that. Um, so it's coming together, these sort of, you know, agricultural mechanization, economics of family and sort of education of women and men in different ways. And it's coming together as a good research agenda. And, and I'm excited about here, moving here and, and making these collaborations where I can work on either these topics separately or come up or at their intersection. So is there a, is there an underlying reason why women haven't been able to participate more in the broader non-agricultural labor force? Is that a cultural issue or is it um, something else that's that's structural to the Indian economy? It is guided by the cultural norms where, you know, I mean, women's mobility and, and the kind of jobs that are meant to be for women, they those kind of jobs are just not being created in the economy. So that is the structural side of it. Um, that that they're you know like if 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 they have to move off farm, it's not like the woman would work in construction, or she would go and and seek other kinds of jobs that a man, or jobs that are meant to be for men, in the Indian economy. So the the kind of jobs that are being created are more sort of culturally have been for men. Um, and so there's this whole area of I mean this is an emerging area of research where. And not just the agriculture sector, this is sort of happening both in urban and rural sectors of the economy where uh, women's labor market um, participation rate has been declining. So it's it's an area of research where um, it's emerging, and but, but there aren't that many good answers yet. And not because people are not thinking about it, it's just like, it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, people are thinking a lot about it, but there just aren't that many good answers right now out there. How have the events of this year impacted development progress around the world? Are we moving backwards? It's hard for me to say that just because I think a lot of the research that looks at, you know, I mean, the way we measure international development or, you know, the welfare of people everywhere is through survey data or you want to get information. And COVID is a unique situation where um, at a time when we needed information the most, we have been sort of stuck and not being able to reach to you know, many places and actually know what's going on because you know it's not like we can go and do survey collection anywhere to find out how that, how, people are doing. That being said, there is a lot of research, you know, people, researchers at least are finding creative ways through phone surveys to reach out to people. Um, I've also read a lot about program adaptation in terms of, you know, programs that were in the field that were being implemented and how they've been able to adapt to the changing circumstance. Um, so for example, I can talk about, I was involved in a program in Mali, which was a school feeding program uh, 
funded by USDA and was being implemented by the Catholic Relief Services. Um, this area of Mali is, is like there's a lot of conflict and political instability in the area. And so, you know, if, if these children do not find food at, in their school, they, they, this is like, that's their only source of, you know, where they can find food. So even though when COVID started, schools closed down, but the program quickly adapted so they could at least, you know, give take-home ration to these children. And so that's kind of like, so that kind of adaptation has been so interesting. Again, I was involved in a project in Uganda, which was working with ultra poor refugee and Ugandan households who were li- like absolutely living in extreme poverty. And same thing happened that many other, like the training and COVID started, there were lockdowns, all the other interventions stopped, but at least they were able to kind of uh, continue the consumption smoothing part of the program using mobile transfers. So it's it's been fascinating for me to see sort of the adaptation that's happening in different countries at a smaller scale. But that said, like I, I don't know enough about the impacts at you know at a macro level. So speaking of COVID. Um, this is your first semester here at Purdue, and uh, it must be very interesting to l- land here in Indiana, coming uh, from UC Davis to, uh, to to this lockdown campus environment. How is the teaching going? You're teaching international development. As I recall, that's a course that draws from students all over the Purdue campus in different majors. How's it going? It's been very interesting. I, I think that that's kind of made me, uh, I'm glad I'm teaching this semester because it, it makes me forget how odd the semester would have been if, or how isolated I would have felt if I wasn't teaching. Um, this is kind of, you know, at least I have my students who kind of, you know, like I have that level of contact, yet it's been really sort of, it's been challenging, but you know, it's challenging for everyone. And I think students for, for sure, I feel like it's been so challenging and, and being able to sort of, I think the biggest challenge for me has been to imagine all the kinds of challenges that they must be going through and sort of mitigate those in a timely manner that I'm available, but at the same time, not compromise on, you know, the, the experience of having the course taking the course, you're spending six months taking this course and I want to make sure that, you know, they are getting as much out of the course, you know, as anyone would have gotten during usual times. So it's been, I'm, I'm actually really grateful that I'm teaching this semester. It's been hard, but I won't have it any other way. To sort of wrap this up on a bright note, what do you see as some uh, exciting innovations or opportunities in the world of development around the world, just projects that are going on right now that can really benefit people? Dane, that's an interesting question because I was going to have an assignment for you all <laughs> on the innovation <laughs> and to write something on the innovations in our field, but it's a fascinating field. Um, for me, it's sort of, I think from a research perspective, um, a lot is going on in terms of how to use existing data. So machine learning is becoming really big in our field where we have so much data now, you know, cell phone data, 
electricity, just how to use those innovations very, very creatively. Then, um, as you've already seen in class, like, you know, development aid is being channeled in very interesting ways now. And, and it's becoming really evidence-based. So for me, that's, that's one of the other sort of big innovations that are going on in our field. The problems are still sort of really big and, and new problems are emerging all the time. I mean, now think of COVID and I can't even imagine the kinds of impacts it has had on people, on children who were already not going to school. And, and so those problems still remain, but I think in terms of innovation, it's becoming really evidence-based. A lot of data is being used very in very interesting ways. And then if you're working in development, you work really hard. And it's really hard to see the changes sometimes because you're like sort of in a very minor micro level, but people's lives have been improved a lot because of development interventions. And, and you know, so think of big trends like, you know, child mortality rates have come down, for example. And so, so there's a lot going on and, I, and, I'm, and I'm hopeful that at least, you know, in, in like my sort of, I would be happy, for example, if you know we move from, you know, measuring gender as a binary variable in developing countries to move into kind of capturing gender more ways. So that's kind of the hope, you know. We're always moving to expand that horizon and make those baby steps that can actually contribute to a larger picture. Otherwise, it can get like can keep working and feel like nothing's changing, but but things are changing. <laughs> We want to really thank you for spending some time with us and sharing with us about your experiences and about your work here at Purdue. And we're just so happy to have you here as a member of the Purdue AggieCon family and look forward to times when we can get better acquainted face-to-face -face and, and we put the coronavirus behind us. So thanks, thanks so much for spending time with us. Thank you. You have been listening to the Purdue Ag Econ podcast. We want to thank Dr. Gulati for taking the time to talk with us today and for sharing her expertise on development economics. We're glad to have her at Purdue. Want to hear more from Purdue Agricultural Economics? Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or visit www.agecon.purdue.edu. Thanks for listening.